0: Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris.
1: I'm Charlotte.
0: We are the Pleasure Mechanics. And on this podcast, we have soulful yet explicit conversations about every facet of human sexuality. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com where you will find our complete podcast archive. And while you're there, go to PleasureMechanics.com slash free and sign up for our free online course, to get started implementing our proven strategies into your erotic landscape. That's pleasuremechanics.com slash free. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about vaginal wetness, wet and ready myths, all of the myths around vaginal lubrication and what arousal means in terms of wetness, We are going to dive into the pools of vulva waters. Before (laughs) we do, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode lube life lube life offers amazon.com's best-selling lubricants go to amazon.com and search hashtag lube life to find a great value on a great new bottle of lube for your bedside table use the code 20mechanics for 20 percent off your order or use the links provided in the show notes page all right we are going to be talking about the myths of wet and ready Wet and ready, meaning all of the ideas and myths surrounding the idea of female arousal, female meaning people with vulvas, right? So we're going to be talking about vulvas and vaginas and the people that have them. Um, And one shortcut for that is females or women, So the myths around female arousal and wetness, this idea that if she is turned on, the pussy will be wet. And that is somehow a barometer or an indicator of arousal, let alone consent, right? So this kind of is the parallel myth to the he's erect, therefore must be aroused myth. And we've talked about that in other episodes, we'll continue to talk about that one. Um, These kind of very, very false myths about what arousal looks like in different bodies. So we're going to be talking about vaginal wetness, lubrication, the kind of more anatomical, biological truths about the different fluids that come out of vulvas vaginas and urethras, um, and what we need to know about that how to kind of manage it with a little bit more honesty and passion um, and yeah kind of debunk some myths install some new knowledge and dive into the wonderful gushing waters of the vulva and pussy and yoni and vaj vajayjay
1: whatever you call it
0: what do you call it what's your favorite word i really struggle with this sadly i feel i
1: feel like i don't have a word any longer that i really love which feels like a, a big gap obviously in um linguistic
0: joys of talking about isn't that sad that we have so many beautiful words for so many beautiful things but if so many of us don't have a word we love for our genitals um do you like pussy i don't yoni no No. vulva yeah i mean it's so funny you're struggling we've done 320 some episodes of this podcast what is the word you use for what's between your legs i
1: know i mean i (laughs) i use vulva most often Uh because i feel like I like the letter V and Uh I like how it sounds and Uh I like that it is it is truth telling.
0: I feel like in this conversation, we tend to use very specific words. So we use vulva, labia, vagina, clitoris, clitoral hood. Like we tend to use more specific words rather than one word for the whole thing.
1: Right. And I also feel like I want to name the specific anatomy so that it's also more inclusive of bodies that may not identify as women or female, but right. do have the, the parts right. that um, mm-hmm. we're talking about. So I feel happy with vulva. Um, I understand some people find that too technical, but I'm, I, I think the technicalities are kind of hot.
0: Yeah. So in this conversation, we'll try to be as specific as possible with the anatomy we're talking about and know that that anatomy can be found on different ranges of bodies. Um, and a lot of people use vagina as the shorthand, which is actually super limiting because vagina is just the muscular sheath that runs from the outside of the body up to the cervix. That's all it refers to is this one entry point from the vaginal opening to the cervix. And that's like defining a car by one of its doors or something like we like to think of the entire sexual system and the entire sexual system, of course, being the whole human body and the social system we live in and the universe itself. But but when we talk about the sexual system, mostly we're talking about the pelvis and the interlocking web of the pelvic muscles, the pelvic blood flow, the nerves, the nerves that then go up to the spinal cord and the brain, um, the anatomy of fleshy bits, Um, so the penis or the clitoris, the perineum, all of the muscles there, the anus is included in our idea of the sexual system. So really all of the sexual anatomy and reproductive anatomy, if you're including reproduction in this definition, and all of the bits that connect to it, right? So this is the perspective we're looking at this with. Um, So let's talk about the fluids of one presentation of the sexual system in humans, which is, you know, the vulva, the vagina, the clitoris. Um, So when we talk about getting wet, what does that mean when we say she's wet? Um, And I could reach over in the office now and pull some erotica off the shelf and find passage after passage that references wetness. And oh, when I saw his throbbing member, I got wet. So why do we have this vision of wetness as this shorthand for arousal? And what do we mean by that?
1: And why do we talk about members? Why, why do we say But we won't get sidetracked by that. We gotta Sometimes, stay you know, <laughs> I have
0: a whole list, I have a whole file of the other podcasts I want to produce sometime. And one of them is like deconstructing erotica mm. and pulling apart some of this language. <sighs> In another busy. lifetime. All right. So, <laughs> wetness. So, when we talk about that, usually what we're talking about is vaginal lubrication an idea of a gushing forth of slick, slippery wetness from the vagina as part of the arousal process in people with vulvas and vaginas. So that turns out to be just one kind of fluid that comes from the vaginal and vulva area. Um, So I want to first just knock a few others off the table so we know what we're not talking about and then talk about this process of vaginal lubrication and fluids when aroused. Does that make sense? Sounds good. Cool. So there's like vaginal sweating. Which which
1: is something I don't think we think about much.
0: No. No. Right. Like there's tit sweat and underarm sweat and foot sweat and different human bodies have different numbers of sweat glands. Right. You, like we all have this idea. There's a really sweaty human beings mm. and there's human beings that barely glisten. Mm. Right. Um, and a lot of that is just genetics um, and just like personal stuff. Um, so different people have different amounts of vaginal sweat and genital sweat in general and butt sweat if we're in the area. So just identify that as a thing. Um, And sometimes that presents like in the creases of the thighs. Sometimes it's really like, just you know we all have different presentations of genital sweat
1: yeah but if you've never thought about that just as a curiosity and a fascination (laughs) next time you work out go to the bathroom afterwards and just feel because it's interesting just to learn more about your body Uh and
0: just sort of notice like oh is that what
1: vaginal sweat Uh feels like just for your own information
0: just well it can be part of a full body sweat again Mm -hmm. like at a gym or sauna or a hot day or um but it can also be kind of different sweats can be specific like different people have different anxiety sweats Mm. um or sweats related to different emotions and there's angry sweats that present in different sweat glands um sweat is i feel maybe we'll do a whole episode about sweat sometime totally (laughs) i kind of like saying it again and again so how wet do you get from sweat Right. And again, this conversation, we're going to focus on vulvas and vaginas. But a lot of this information is very um, relevant to all genital members, um, because, again, we all have more in common than different. When we're talking about sweat glands and blood flow and musculature um, and nerves and all of these things, like, again, the more we talk about genitals on this podcast and the more you can look at images, we all have way more in common than different. It's just kind of different and the architecture of the same elements. All right, so sweat glands. And as I'm talking again, my mouth is getting a little dry because I'm talking about it. So that's another kind of wetness is the mucous membranes of the vulva and vagina. So just like your mouth gets more or less wet with saliva, our vulvas get more or less wet with their native lubrications And there's a lot of factors here. The main one that I'm experiencing right now is hydration and use. I am using my mouth and so it is getting a little dry because air is flowing in and out, right? Um, I should drink more water. If the vulva itself is just kind of dry, a lot of this is just full body hydration cues. And the vaginal lubrication is a self generating lubrication like saliva. Like our mucous membranes take care of themselves by generating different fluids with different amino acids, and different electrolytes. And you know, we could also geek out on our mouth and vaginal fluids in that category, right? We have whole ecosystems here. And for the most part, the vagina and the vulva are a self maintaining ecosystem, when provided the environment they are meant to thrive in right like any other ecosystem like our bodies it turns out has all these amazing micro ecosystems Um, and you can really geek out on this like our left hand and our right hand have different kinds of bacteria that thrive there based on what we do with them all day it's so astounding how cool is that our eyelashes and our eyelids have like a whole range of ecosystems if you were to zoom in on the body like we do with terrains if you think about the ecosystem on the top of a mountain versus the valley below and the whole range in between so that's kind of how the human body is but we also do all these things that mess with those terrains (laughs) What a metaphor we are spinning here. So the vagina thrives when it can have access to air and clean water and proper nutrition and blood flow and all of that stuff, right? Um, So the vaginal discharge, when we talk, so we're now moving, we've talked about sweat. We've talked about the self-lubrication like saliva that happens in the vulva, in and out around the labia, but also into the vagina itself, Um, and the anus, if you want to get technical about it. There's all these different regions that keep themselves moist. And there's a word, a lot of people hate the word moist, and there's whole studies about this word. So if you're one of those people, hello, moist.
1: You might not want to listen to this episode.
0: Well, I'll try to pivot from moist. (laughs) But these areas, for the most part, are trying to keep themselves at a healthy level of moistness, (laughs) just like your mouth. So then we have a category called vaginal discharge. And this is the one that tends to make people go because discharge feels more of like a medical word, but it doesn't have to be. There's a whole range of discharge that can happen from the vagina, meaning that tube that goes up to the cervix. Um, And this discharge can be just normal and healthy, normal meaning part of your ecosystem that ranges along your hormonal and menstrual cycles. Um, and it can be like a white odorless kind of range from like waxy, greasy to then your cervical fluid, which is that really stringy egg white, like texture, cervical fluid that really emerges around ovulation. So these are some of the fluids and the discharges that come just in and around the vulva and vagina, just as part of like their daily business and their monthly cycles, right? Um, And we get more or less intimate with these fluids as we have different relationships with our vulva and vagina. When we were trying to get pregnant, we would call it you know, cervical spelunking, and I would put a speculum in you, my dear love, and check your cervical discharge for cues about your ovulation. Oh, and a headlamp, people. Yeah. For real. <laughs> Full visual. Full. <laughs> Full visual. And, you know, I name that both because, like, in a lot of cultures and a lot of times, this is how women self knew their own fertile cycles. By tracking their cervical fluid and sometimes you can't help it you know you're wiping your vulva and you get a huge beautiful handful of cervical fluid and you can stretch it between your fingers and it can be elastic for inches and it's fast faci- I used to I remember as a kid when this was coming and being fascinated by this fluid because it seems like as magical as it turns out to be this is like a slip and slide that the body puts out to usher sperm and semen up into the cervix. It's like a corridor that emerges out of the cervix when your cervix is nice and open. And I got to see your cervix at different stages. And some couples find themselves in these funny rituals when they're trying to get pregnant. Right? More and more, I think we're um, in a more deliberate relationship to our fertility. Um, some by choice and some by distress. And in those stages, you become very aware of things like cervical fluid. But we can all choose to be more aware of this. Um, So we're going to move into the sexual fluids realm now. Um, But we wanted to kind of paint the terrain of like all of the different fluids. And then, of course, there's pee that comes out of the urethra. So we have the vagina, the, the hole that goes up to the cervix. Above that is the urethra, a smaller hole that the pee comes out of. We'll talk later about squirting and female ejaculation, but the urethra is also where the ejaculate comes out of on all bodies. And then above that is the, the clitoris and the clitoral hood. This is all ensconced, enfolded in the labia. Um, and below that all is the anus and the perineum. Okay, so we have our visual picture of our holes and the fluids coming out of them. Um, And I should have said this before, but maybe notice for yourself, like, what emotions and sensations and feelings are you having in your body as we're having this conversation around the vulva and vagina, and its fluids and discharges?
1: I think it's very common for a lot of people to feel grossed out and a bit revolted by these these fluids These are strong uh, fighting words yeah unfortunately I think in this culture and I think that um I think there's value in just paying attention. grossed
0: out and revolted. Don't you think I was going for like uncomfortable or uneasy, but okay. okay yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there's a spectrum. A I think there's a spectrum that obviously. some people, um, <laughs>
1: and I think that it's really valuable well, that we pay attention to them or just begin to notice them and get to know them because they truly are magical, exquisite fluids that allow for this whole system to, work and exist and self-clean and it's just it, it is extraordinary and I think that I really I don't know I really want us all to just begin to engage more fully with our fluids in order to honor the bodies that we have
0: well it's to honor it right but it's also to know what your normal is totally when you know what your body is kind of ever-changing normal baseline is, then you notice when something is starting to change or go wrong or need attention. If you know that your monthly cycles of discharge look a certain way, right? So at a certain level, when your hormones are doing this... You have a whitish discharge that smells kind of neutral. And then at a different point of your cycle, you have that handful of cervical fluid I was talking about. And at this point of your cycle, you get really horny, and that's when your pussy feels like this, right? If you can articulate that for yourself, then you know when for six months you haven't seen cervical fluid and you start to be like, huh that's something different. Or if a different kind of discharge that smells a different way, you can then the next time you go to your doctor or make a doctor's appointment to start saying things like, my vaginal discharge changed and it starts smelling like this at this point in my cycle. And being able to say that to a practitioner gives you such a big head start on things like infections and God forbid cancers and conditions that can really affect your life right? And so we all need and this is embodied wisdom. This is what I would put in that category of like, knowing your body and living in and with your body rather than despite your body. And for so many of us, this sexual wisdom is totally cut off. Because when we're coming of age, like think of it as vulva owners, when we're coming of age, we don't get pulled aside and taught about our magical cycles of release and renewal, and how to manage those cycles and what they mean for our cycles of energy and hormones and what our body might need. And then how to track that with our cervical fluid and our blood. And yeah, and how that aligns up with the moon, God forbid, right? Like we're not taught any of that knowledge. Most people have no idea where they are in their menstrual cycle. They couldn't tell you if they're how many days away from ovulation they are. A lot of us are more and more using apps. A lot of us are on hormonal birth control that totally hijack this cycle anyway, and have crazy side effects that we're only beginning to talk about. Anyway, so there's a lot of reasons that in hearing this, you might a feel cut off from this knowledge, like never have even thought about your vaginal environment. Um, Never have looked or touched or engaged or smelled with things that have come out of your genitals. We don't we aren't encouraged to do that um but then also as charlotte said the revolt and the disgust around this area is cultural and yet of course there's this like obsession and all of us really like there's this desire for vulvas and vaginas and what they offer us and the experience of being with and in them parallel to this disgust and refusal to talk about them so let's just take that in for a moment and now let's shift to this conversation of like sexual fluids sexual arousal how that influences wetness and we will do so after a shout out to our sponsor lube life so we will talk about sexual lubricant in the second half of the show for sure um, for now, let's give a thanks to hashtag Lube Life. Lube Life is the best selling lube on Amazon. I think everyone should have a bottle of sexual lubricant in their house. Even if you are practicing chastity, even if you never have sex, even if you are super active sexual, whatever your sexual style, have a bottle of lube in the house because it will come in handy. Go to Amazon, search for Lube Life and find your bottle. Use the code 20mechanics for 20% off the lube of your choice. They have great silicone lube and organic water-based lube at a great value. 20mechanics for 20% off or use the links in the show notes page. Thanks to Lube Life for helping to make this podcast episode possible. So let's talk about sexual arousal and fluids and wetness, right? Because when I say it's a myth, that doesn't mean there is no correlation. When I say it's a myth, that means it is not a one to one that when a vulva bodied person, a a human with a vulva, gets sexually aroused, that the vulva and the vagina get wet. That is not a one to one correlation. There is a relationship there, sometimes, not all the time. And so this is one of those areas, like so many of the areas we topic, that it's complicated. There's a lot of factors that influence this correlation. And so we need to dismantle the myth and get to know our reality with the bodies of us and those we love, and then also hold the fuller range of what's possible and normalize the range of what's possible, yeah? So Sexual arousal in uh, vulva bodied people does sometimes create tremendous wetness, a wetness that can flow from in and around the vulva and vagina, through the vagina, through the urethra, and also through all those sweat glands we were talking about and create a wet, slick, lubricant, that ranges from a trickle ranges from a a dewiness i should say for sometimes sometimes it is just like a a moistness sorry i won't use that word a moistness a dewiness a readiness a flush sometimes it is a tidal wave it can be copious amounts of fluid that has to be managed with a towel on the bedside table um, and I'm not yet talking about ejaculation, which is another phenomenon that's squirting, that can be that ejaculate, that propellant of fluid out of the urethra at a height of climax. I'm talking about just the swell of fluids that can sometimes happen with arousal, right? So, Charlotte, we have been witness to, we've been privileged to be witness to thousands of bodies. Have you in the body as you have and you've made love to witness to this range of dewiness to tidal wave?
1: Yes, yeah, there can be such, yes, absolutely. Such a huge range of what you're feeling with your hands, with your, yeah, with your body. Um, But it's all good. (laughs) I really want people to... uh, Separate the idea that more wetness is better and that our bodies aren't working correctly if they are not as wet as we imagine they should be, or they could be, or they have been in the past. Our bodies will change as the seasons change and in different stages of our life. And it's so important to honor and let it be where it
0: is at this moment. And pay attention to so so some of those factors that can change your ecosystem, prescription drugs, dehydration, times of the month, levels of stress, levels of sleep, menopause, um, pregnancy, weather, how dehydrated are you from the hike you took that day, all of those factors, your diet, what you're eating recently, all those factors are going to influence all of your systems in your body, including your genitals. Um, And again, we can just pay attention to these things and know these things, but to not shame at any point of that spectrum and know it will change for you. I remember the days where like it was so copious. I felt like I needed a bucket or like I would scoop it out after like a hot evening and like play with handfuls of wetness, you know? Um, And I remember points of being sick where it was like, you know, the Sahara, right? These are hormonal things. These are health things. But these are also just like, I also smoke pot sometimes. And the more I smoke pot, you know, dry mouth, dry eyes, right? Different allergies can trigger dry vaginal environments. So it's just like not As you said, a more wet is better sexual arousal thing or like more sexually enlightened thing. And I also get emails from people all the time who feel like they're too wet and want to learn how to shut it down because they find it messy and embarrassing and squelchy. Hmm. And then I get emails all the time from people who are like, I'm not wet enough or more often, I get emails from partners who are like, I feel like I'm doing all the right moves. I feel like my partner is turned on, but she is never wet. What am I doing wrong? Nothing. And that's the equivalent of I feel sexy. I'm trying to turn my husband boyfriend on and he's not getting hard. What am I doing wrong? Right. We're looking for these cues of arousal, but it could mean any number of things. So pay attention for yourself. Get to know your range and know that it will change. Um, and that it's not We should related. all drink more water, right? The only should I will do on this show is like there's a very few shoulds. Um, drink more water, feel hydrated, a healthy diet. All of those things will help, but also things like blood flow to the genitals. Also things like strengthening and relaxing the pelvic muscles. These things help with... Vaginal and genital lubrication and engorgement, too. Lots of factors, lots of outcomes. Explore your system. Um, but the other thing to really take in here is what Emily Nagoski and other brilliant thinkers talk about as arousal non concordance. Because the other part of this dismantling the myth is that you can be really wet and engorged, and your genitals can be throbbing. And you might not be sexually turned on at all. And same with guys. Guys can have a hard penis and a lubricated penis, which for men mean that, you know, pre-cum. We can have aroused genitals and not be sexually aroused at all. And that's also really important to know. We've been talking about this so much, but
1: I don't think, have we said specifically (laughs) that being... That wetness isn't related to how turned on you are.
0: But this is what we're dismantling. So yeah. I just named it's not... If you're wet, you're not aroused. And you can be very aroused and not wet. I think we're covering it. Yeah. Yes.
1: And very aroused and very wet. There are so many... Right. It's just that the the arousedness, the turned onness in your brain, right. in your body, doesn't necessarily represent through wetness. Right. And so just know that for yourself and for your partner, that that is not a... It, it is a sim. It is a,
0: It is something that can represent a turned onness, but isn't the only. This is what we're going for. So correlation, yeah. but not direct relationship. Uh-huh. And it can be a confusing relationship sometimes. Like I feel really aroused, and I'm so into this. Why aren't I wet? Uh-huh. Because I used to get wet when I got aroused, and we can problematize this. Right. We can be like, maybe I'm not as aroused as I think. Like, we can make all sorts of men, or I'm really aroused, but he's just my coworker and I'm not actually turned on. But why is my pussy so wet when I go to the bathroom? Well, you might, might not be aroused. You might be angry. And angry is a different kind of excitation and arousal of the system. And so if you're yelling at your coworker and feeling fired up, you have to be like socially polite and your body's getting fired up. And you might go to the bathroom after that meeting and reach down and find that you're all wet. That's not maybe sexual excitation. That's just arousal. And just knowing that in your head and being able to check in and maybe you are sexually aroused and that's a confusing dynamic, but maybe not, right? Like we need to have deeper knowledge of these systems so we can map these experiences for ourselves and start to have more like of a consensual relationship with these systems and how we embody them. Okay, so sexual arousal non-concordant with wetness. This is important to know in all sorts of contexts. Like we just talk about, um, you can watch like a, an action movie. I often get very wet and my genitals start thrumming during an action movie. That's fun for me to know. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm sexually turned on. But your so, body
1: is excited.
0: Right. Another system is feeling activated and right. you're alert. And there's so many different ways of being aroused in the body. Right. And so notice for yourself, like just notice for yourself, when do you get, and also I'm pulling apart here, um, erection and engorgement. So for a penis owner, that is more visible, visual and visible. Um, But I will put the podcast link in the show notes page. Again, we've done an episode on female erections, on clitoral erections. And so as a vulva owner getting to know what that feels like, what does engorgement feel like? For some it feels like a throbbing or a thrumming or it literally feels like your pussy is bigger and it's like at a tension. And if you're in a seat, you can kind of like feel it filling out your seat a little bit. Um, what does a clitoral erection feel like to you? And pulling apart kind of engorgement and throbbing sensation in and around your vulva versus wetness because you might have a lot of that sensation and the throbbing without wetness you might have wetness without throbbing start to get to know that and then i'm gonna just one more layer babes you can do it (laughs) um for me there's also another sensation that's more internal like around my cervix and my uterus Um, And that is a different set of sensations, like if that is contracting uterine contractions. And remember that like uterine and pelvic contractions are part of the orgasm response. Um, So sometimes when I'm really excited about an idea, for an example, or a piece of art I'm looking at, I feel the contractions of the uterus and of the pelvic floor start to flutter. And for me, that's kind of another set of like an orgasmic response or a set of responses that I can track and make sense of, have a relationship to. Um, Again, these are all parts of interoception, that art of paying attention to the body and to the inside of the body. And when we have this data, it just gives us more information and it becomes less confusing, right? Right.
1: Yeah. All of this information is so important for us to know. I just was thinking about how we were talking about all the other discharges earlier and thinking about uh, wondering how many people are buying those um, vaginal cleaning products that they see, thinking that they are um, needing to clean all of that out when it's actually just part of our system that is working perfectly and we don't need to purchase other things to 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 cleanse our bodies but i feel like capitalism it's almost has... as
0: if you're saying there's an industry creating anxiety about female bodies to sell products <laughs> yes
1: yes yes i mean it's it's just it's just amazing. don't be a
0: wacky socialist charlotte <laughs> do you really think they'd create a problem that didn't exist to sell us something okay moving on yes no yes and Um, I was just looking at some of our textbooks and references for this show. And um, one of the groups I trust on this is like OBGYNs and midwives, people who deal with vaginas and vaginal discharge all day. Um, One, my sister is a home birth midwife, a little fun fact of the pleasure mechanics. Um, And so we talk, we geek out on vaginas a lot. (laughs) um we have latex gloves in equal numbers but use them for different things um but i love talking to midwives and looking at texts about vaginas i love textbooks about vaginas um and one of the things they all tend to agree on is that uh, so another category of discharge we didn't talk about is when things like bacterial vaginosis kick in right so when these ecosystems get disrupted through disease or stress or conditions like you did a week of scuba diving in the tropics and your genitals never dried off like conditions that create things. Um, Things like bacterial vaginosis are often caused by the products designed to clean vaginas. Right. Um, One of our previous sponsors, Good Clean Love is doing a lot of work of creating products designed to like be like healthy vulva washes if you do feel like you need a little extra wash there like a ph balanced bio matched wash for things like bacterial vaginosis um they are not a sponsor of this episode but shout out to our friends at good clean love um yeah you know I think it's this is a whole area that there's a lot of shame a lot of secrecy and we used to see things like summer's eve douches on the shelf which were vinegar rinses and had and then transitioned from vinegar rinses to like super harsh chemical cleaners we're using menstrual products with like bleached cotton and all sorts of fragrances in them um there's all sorts of things we are doing to our vulvas and vaginas that are causing un, unsound conditions. <laughs> um, not to mention, you know, like lubes. And so let's get to lube. Lube is super important for a lot of sex acts. You can't have anal sex or anal play without lube. Um, stroking that external genitals feels great with a little extra lube sometimes. Um, and penetration of the vagina sometimes is much more comfortable with a little bit of lube. Um, but what lube you use matters, right? Just like think of all of the thought we put into what we put on and around our face, you know, and especially a lot of women and more and more men, we have eye creams and night creams and day creams and sunscreens and lip balms and ears. What do you put in your ears? I don't even know. But like, (laughs) we think and we put a lot of attention into what we put on our face. And that's skin. We're talking about our genitals. And a lot of us don't even know what we're putting in our genitals, what our genitals like. um, Because we've been talking about these things like yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis and discharge. But Everyone has different kind of vulnerabilities in this area, just like different food allergies. Some people are really sensitive to sugars. So a lubricant with glycerin in it, to make it taste a little sweeter and smell a little better, glycerin is a sugar, and some people, a lube with a glycerin in it, will give them chronic yeast infections for a month. Other people use, like edible candy underwear and never get a yeast infection in their life. Right. So we can't tell you what to do or not to do. You need to like be aware of your body and of this kind of information and knowledge and then be able to make better choices for your ecosystem. Yeah. Experiment
1: Um, with things and then see how it feels and try other ones if they don't feel good. And, you know, just like you do with your face, try different products, find what you like throw out things Mm -hmm. that don't work
0: for you you know it's a process to
1: to discover what works best
0: for you Mm -hmm. and paying attention to right like what are the ingredients that trigger kind of flares for you what and ultimately going for what lube feels good going on Mm -hmm. a good lubricant when you apply it should feel yummy like you're doing something that's good for your body right because your system is like just like your face when you put a good face oil on you know you have that moment of like ah (laughs) <laughs> it feels good. It smells good. And it feels good on your skin. It soaks in well. You feel better having used it. Set that bar for your lubricant and all of the products going into your genitals. And just notice. And it sometimes it does mean throwing out a bottle of lube that you don't love. And that happens with other products too. And that's annoying, but it happens. Um, a lot of online sex toy stores, and again, I'll try to link some up, sell sampler kits or you can collect samples from different brands so you can try like a silicone lube and a water-based lube and an organic really clean lube that's free of a bunch of stuff and see what works best for you. Um, And this, again, is a factor of are you using latex condoms for your sex life? Do you use silicone toys a lot? These factors will influence what kind of lube you use. I will link to some lubricant resources on the show notes page of this episode. Um, But again, destigmatizing lube. Never feel embarrassed to reach for extra lube because it means you're not aroused enough. I'm so ready to stop getting that email. That correlates, oh, we had to use lube and that is some failure of arousal. Bullshit. It could just mean you didn't drink enough water that day, or you're on a new prescription, or you ate too many pistachios, or that's just the way your body is working right now at 55 years old, but you're having the best sex of your life. Or right? it, it could be
1: anything feel more pleasurable to add a little bit of lube so that the sex acts feel more comfortable and pleasurable. Fuck anything yeah. that adds to your pleasure is valuable and worthy and it is not problematic and
0: doesn't need to be apologized for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just you're bringing your tools to the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm hmm. That was good. oh. <laughs> <sighs>
0: I just remembered our first night together and I had a toolbox with me. Mm -hmm. And here we are as the pleasure mechanics. I know, that's
1: true. Yeah, you came down into my bedroom with this whole little toolbox you like came and put by the side of the bed. I'm like, hello, someone's prepared. (laughs) Hey, I
0: have an idea. All right, we're gonna cut here. We'll be with you next week. So next week is actually a really important episode. Let me give you a little preview of what's coming here on Speaking of Sex. So go now, I will put a link in the show notes page. Get yourself a copy of Emily Nagoski's new book, Burnout. Emily Nagoski is the author of Come As You Are. I have gotten hundreds of emails from you guys over the years saying this book changed your life. She's a brilliant writer who weaves science and sociology, and she's brilliant. Her new book is about burnout, about ending stress cycles so we can live better together. Next week, we have an amazing interview with Emily. We had such a good time talking about this book. I've been reading the book. Get yourself a book on pre-order. We will be launching with an interview next week. And then the whole month of April is dedicated to preventing and ending sexual burnout. Because the themes in this book, the themes of stress and burnout, are so much of what we see getting in the way of your sexual pleasure and happiness And so we're going to really be talking about ending sexual burnout and what do we need to do so we don't bring our stress to bed. So stress isn't the enemy number one of our sex life. That's what we're going to be talking about in April. In May, we're going to be sliding into a whole new exciting theme. Theme. Join us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics p a t r e o n patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. And we will be talking about all these themes planning our monthly episodes together having community discussions and more and show us some love for the work we do in the world. Thank you so much to our patrons who help make this work possible. We send you so much love. We will be back with you next week with Emily Nagoski's interview on burnout, and we are so excited about what is coming this spring and summer from Pleasure Mechanics. We've got some good projects, my dear.
1: I thought you were saying my dears to the to the people to to our listeners. You, my dear, but me. Yes,
0: yes, we do. I'm. It's so exciting. Are you feeling good? Yeah. Our kid is at school more. We have so much more time to work and play together an and entire we're feeling three and good. a half hours
1: a day it feels very
0: luxurious <laughs> i'm chris i'm charlotte we are the pleasure mechanics wishing you a lifetime of pleasure cheers